Would you grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Luke chapter uh, 1? Luke chapter 1, and then we'll finish up in Matthew chapter 1. Would you stand with me if you're in the room? If you're online, we're thrilled you're with us as well. It's going to be a few moments of reflection together before we partake in communion and uh, sing again before we wrap up. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now go with me, if you will, to Matthew's Gospel. Uh, chapter 1 as well, we're seeing the highlights of how the angels appeared to Mary and Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful truth of this celebration, the wonderful truth of this season, that you loved us so much that you sent your son and Lord, the birth of Jesus, we reflect tonight on the reality that He came from the perfection of heaven and came into the imperfection of humanity, born as a baby, and would go on to live, to die, and to rise again all for us. We thank You for that, Lord. I pray help us to pause and reflect tonight, tomorrow, and throughout this season, and even each day of our lives on just how wonderful You've been to us. Have these, have these moments, we pray. May we hear what you would say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take a moment as you're being seated and tell your neighbor, Merry Christmas tonight. Delivering a, a baby doesn't always come at the most convenient time. 
some people realize that they're ready to have a baby out when they're out to dinner, when they're at work, when they're in a store. Can you imagine that announcement? Clean up on aisle nine. Uh, ladies, it would be a bad time to deliver a baby uh, during bad weather. Say a Minnesota blizzard of sorts would be a bad time. Now, I have to admit, I'd, I'd hoped for the opportunity like this in my own life. Every time my wife was expecting, we were expecting, I was hoping for that emergency-type situation, that she would look at me and she would give me the words, it's time. And I could imagine myself jumping in the car, speeding down the roads of Arkansas. I know that's really exciting to you guys. Speeding down the roads and, and being able to blow through the red lights and speed way ahead of the speed limit. It never happened. My wife, Amber, was induced all three times. You talk about boring. It didn't seem like a convenient time to deliver a baby for Joseph and Mary in Luke chapter 2 either. There was a decree that had been issued in the Roman world that every person was to travel to their ancestral home for a census, likely for the purpose of taxation, maybe even for the purpose of military service. The Demands of this decree couldn't be put off. Mary and Joseph couldn't wait till after the birth of the baby. There had to be an immediate response. Joseph, Scripture teaches us, was in the line or the family, the lineage of King David. So their travel would take them to Bethlehem, and Mary went with him. This journey for them would have been about 90 miles and probably took about three days. And I could imagine there were a lot of potty breaks along the way. Travel wasn't in the latest Tesla. It was quite a rough trip for Mary. Now, many others were traveling to Bethlehem during this time as well for the same reason, the census. Bethlehem, in the grand scheme, wasn't a large population. They didn't have a local hospital. So no room in the inn may have been no vacancy at the local Hilton, or it may have been that all of the private guest rooms that typically would be used by guests visiting the city were also occupied. So whether it was in a cave for animals or whether it was in a one-room animal stall located inside the home of a peasant family, the lack of room around town left the birth of Jesus to take place in less than royal quarters, and Jesus himself was laid inside a manger, an animal feeding trough. Scripture tells us this wasn't Mary's only child, simply her firstborn and, of course, the only one born of the Spirit. But I have to think her other pregnancies didn't happen like this at all. I mean, in, in reality, what had been convenient, easy, or normal about the whole thing? Mary was a teenage girl, promised to be married to a man because arranged marriage was part of that culture. Uh, she was unexperienced in the benefits of marriage, unexperienced with anyone else, but willing for God's work to be done through her. The miracle of her pregnancy was even greater than the miracle of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy in that Mary had not known a man. And then there's Joseph. Joseph was an upright man. He wanted to live and do what was right. He was shocked with the news of Mary being pregnant, for they were not yet officially married. I have to wonder how it went down. I, I think likely Mary had talked to Joseph before the angel talked to him because the Bible says that he was pondering what to do when the angel appeared to him in a dream. He found out somehow, and when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he considered how to do the right thing, to 
break it off, but to do it without public shame on Mary, to divorce her quietly because engagement in that time or being betrothed and committed in that time was much more than a modern-day engagement today. Ultimately, what we know about Joseph is through all of it and how complicated it may have felt, he was obedient to the message from God. In fact, it may be even beneficial to to express that out of all the characters of the Christmas narrative, Joseph might be the most undervalued, underrated, becoming basically an adopted father to the Son of God. Both Mary and Joseph had to deal with a lot of question marks, and because of how this would all go down and because of the doubts of the skeptics around them, they had to suffer potentially with cultural shame. But Joseph and Mary were certain this was surely God, and this was really a big deal. They knew that the message that had come to them had come straight from the throne room of God. Even with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the angel would indicate clearly that God had given a message to be personally delivered to these individuals. They recognized God was speaking to them. They recognized that God had provided a miraculous sign to them that Elizabeth was pregnant with John, and it proved that he could do what even seemed impossible in the natural. God had more than enough power to always accomplish His Word. And if having a child wasn't miraculous enough, considering the absence of the human process, this was the Messiah. Everything in history had pointed to this point and this person. And every parent, especially moms, believe their child will change the world. But this child, the Messiah, would actually have effects on the entire world, the greatest effect being the way to restored relationship with God Himself. We come to the scene in Luke chapter 2, after all of the messages from the Lord and all of the journey of pregnancy and coming to Bethlehem, and we get to the scene in Luke chapter 2, And we see laying in the manger God in the flesh. The perfect lamb sent without any sin as a sacrifice from God for all people, born and laid in an animal trough, wrapped in strips of cloth to keep his arms and legs straight, no doubt all of the normal noises and needs of any newborn baby. The King of kings, the Savior of the world, was born into the most humble beginnings. And this was the beginning to the greatest mission on earth, the greatest mission in history, and it started quietly in Bethlehem. Now, Scripture teaches us that meanwhile in fields nearby there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. Just a few miles outside of Bethlehem were shepherds who kept lambs for temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. Those lambs, if you go back and study the sacrificial system, you understand those lambs to be sacrificed were to be perfect and without blemish. Nighttime, when the angel would appear to the shepherds, was important. Here are shepherds tending to their sheep, considering potential threats of thieves and predators. By cultural standards, these weren't the high class of people. Shepherds were the bottom of the totem pole, if you will. And yet, who received the first message the Messiah had been born but shepherds? Luke chapter 2, verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. They experienced God's glorious presence, the appearance of an angel that would startle anyone, especially shepherds keeping watch of sheep at night. They heard good news of great joy that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord was born and that He would save His people from their sin. The description of what took place and what was told to the shepherds can't be overstated. For in these declarations, the purposes of Jesus for coming to earth are revealed. Freedom from Satan's power, freedom from sin, freedom from the consequence of sin, which is death, taking away fear and shame and guilt. Jesus came to be the Savior and Lord of all people who would receive Him. He came for a rescue mission and to bring us life abundantly. Notice what the, the shepherds heard. This will be a sign to you that you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. These shepherds would have been familiar with this type of wrapping and these types of cloths. It's the same type that were often wrapped around lambs being born to keep them from thrashing around and harming themselves before they would be inspected to be without blemish for sacrifice. You can see how God put all of this together and how through so many ways God spoke of how Jesus was the Messiah. God through Jesus was providing the sacrificial lamb without sin, without blemish, who would bear the sin of humanity and the wrath of God all at one time, every human being all at one time, and be the rescue for sin and the rescue for separation from God. The shepherds got a chance to see God in the flesh. And the Bible says in Luke 2.16, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Notice the experience of the shepherds. They heard from God. They obeyed to go and find Jesus in the manger. They saw him there, and then they shared it with other people. Now, there's an interesting insight in all of this, lots of details that we've just covered in a short amount of time. The revelation from God, the journey to Bethlehem, giving birth. And in the midst of all of this hustle and bustle, in the midst of all of this going on in the narrative, there's one little note that reminds us how we should respond. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 says that in the midst of everything that was happening, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I bet if we went around the room tonight, you and I have Christmas memories that are permanently etched in our memory banks. I can vividly remember the year I got a pair of drumsticks for Christmas the year I got the Daisy BB gun with pump action. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, the, the year that my cousin and I were the musical entertainment for the family of the Christmas gathering. Sometimes we go back and we think of these special moments with special gifts and most importantly, the special people we were with during those times. Some of those very people that may not even be with us today. And in those moments of remembering, 
we're often flooded with the emotions of those moments. I think about all that Mary had experienced thus far. She's pledged to be married to Joseph. She had an encounter with an angel that revealed something completely supernatural to her. She experienced the miraculous conception of the God-child within her. She dealt with the potential for controversy and criticism. She made the uncomfortable trip with Joseph to Bethlehem, fully pregnant. She discovered along with Joseph that there was no room for them other than a place with animals and a manger, a feeding trough. She gave birth to the Messiah, who wasn't just her firstborn son, but was God Himself in the flesh. She experienced the visit of the shepherds, and more and more and more. She would have other visitors eventually, and and there would be more and more moments that she would see God unfolding this plan of the Messiah in the world. Mary taught us a valuable lesson in this moment. In the middle of all that happens in our lives, and in the middle of this season as well, we should practice the pause and regularly reflect. What did Mary think? How did she feel? Was she amazed? Was she overwhelmed? Maybe she was nervous. I think I would be if I was going to be a parent to God. Maybe she was in awe of the moment and in awe of the work of God in her life, in Joseph's life, and in the birth of this child. I can't speak for Mary and everything she's ever thought or felt, but I've been in those moments like Mary when I've realized this is a God moment. This is a a moment when I can look back and say, God has done all of this and God is at work now. Those moments of gratitude when you realize just how good God has really been in your life. Those moments when you don't really have the words to articulate the sense of praise and the sense of worship and the sense of moments of realizing how God has put all these things together in your life. When all you can find the words to say is wow and wow backwards. I've felt it plenty of times. In moments when I've recognized the goodness of God and recognized this is a God moment, this is God putting things together, I can't believe I get to share in this opportunity because of what God is doing. There have been moments like that when I've had tears of joy, where I didn't have words, but I wept in the presence of the Lord, not knowing what else to do. Moments like that when I've smiled, just thinking, wow, how good God has been. Moments when I've I've seen God doing some incredible things and I've had this overwhelming sense of of peace. Those moments in life that, that we struggle to figure out how to describe the experience and the presence of the Lord, but it's almost like our goosebumps get goosebumps. There's a sense in those moments of being in the shadow of God Himself, even wrapped up in Him. And I've had moments in my life when, like Mary, I've realized this is a God thing, this is God doing a work, that I've been humbled and I've felt like falling down on my knees and giving God praise, joining with the scene from heaven of all those who would fall down before the throne in praise to God. 
When I've thought about even the image of heaven and what heaven will be like, wanting to fall down and give praise to God. And then there's some other moments. Maybe this flies in, some of the, in the face of some people's theology or personality or background or ethnicity. But, but there's some moments where instead of humbled and bowing, I want to rejoice. I want to shout. I have joy that fills my heart. And there's a wellspring in me that wells up just to give God praise. There's these moments in life, and, and I struggle in my humanity to be able to express it well enough to you, but there are these moments in life that I call moments of awareness, moments of recognition. This is God. This is God at work. And when we have these moments of awareness and recognition, when we take time to stop and to slow down and to think about what God has done and to recognize God in the middle of our moments, those moments lead us to humility and to awe and to worship of the one who loves us so much. If we get so caught up, whether it's Christmas season or any other season in our lives, if we get so caught up, in the hustle and bustle of any season of life, we will miss these moments. See, Bethlehem and the night of Jesus' birth didn't have all the materialism and all the tradition of the modern world. There's nothing wrong with spending time with our families. We should do that. There's nothing wrong with giving and exchanging gifts. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But sometimes, if not careful, those things and the pursuits of the world and all the hustle and bustle that says we always have to be focused on what's next, all of those things keep us from being able to slow down long enough to pause and to reflect on what God is doing and on everything that God has done. All they had in that moment was God in a manger. It wasn't fancy. If anything, it was the opposite. All they had was God, the God child, in the manger, sent to save the world. And you experience the awe and the wonder and the presence of God, the awareness of His goodness and the faithfulness. You experience those things only when you pause in the moment and, and as you regularly reflect on all that God has done, as you cherish it in your heart and as you ponder, as you give thought to what God is doing and all that God has done. When I think back, even in the last few days, Yesterday, I was, I was in the den of our apartment, and, and I had my headphones in, and, and they're pretty noise-canceling, so I really didn't know all that was going on around me. I was in there by myself. And I was in there for so long, I kind of lost track of time. I was in there for so long, my wife was expecting or waiting for me to help with something, another task we needed to accomplish. And she said, hey, hey, you coming? <laughs> are you going to be available? And I said, I'm sorry, I've just gotten so caught up in thinking about God, who He is, and all that He's done. So caught up in those moments, taking the time to pause, taking the time to reflect, and being able to sense His presence when I think about all He's done and how good He's been to me. I think we can all pause right now in this season. Tomorrow you'll get, perhaps maybe even tonight, you'll be ready to be with family. You'll do all the things that are part of this season. A lot of cooking, a lot of enjoyment, a lot of laughter, a lot of eating and stuffing ourselves in a gluttonous way and then napping on the couch, right? But in this season, 
the best thing we can do is to pause and to reflect on all that God has done in our lives. The greatest work for our lives is that He sent His Son, Jesus. He sent Jesus, born as a baby, crucified as a man, resurrected as Savior King, to rescue us from sin and death and to give us instead salvation and eternal life. I want to challenge you to practice the pause and to regularly reflect on all that God has done in your life. And I wonder tonight if you're able to do that. Maybe, maybe you're in the room or maybe you're online and, and you don't have a relationship with God. You, you're not even sure perhaps what that language even means. Maybe, maybe you struggle understanding this whole faith concept or the idea of Christianity. Maybe, maybe you're trying to figure it all out. And so maybe to this point, you haven't said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. You haven't said, I believe God did this for me, and so I'm going to admit that I'm a sinner, and I'm going to believe in Jesus, and I'm going to confess Him as Savior and Lord of my life. I want to tell you that you will receive perhaps a number of gifts this Christmas. Maybe, maybe you're going to get the, le- the latest gadget, and the latest thing that is supposed to improve your life and make it a million times better. No matter what gift you receive from other people, There's no greater gift than knowing you're in right relationship with God Himself. No greater gift to know God, to know life, to know eternal life. Before we do anything else, I'm going to ask you if you're in the room to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And if you're online with us, I would love for you to take a moment to respond as well. Are you able... To pause in this moment and to look back in your life and to consider what God has done. Are you able to say you have a relationship with God, an ongoing relationship with God? Jesus came in the form of human flesh. It's a bigger deal than you may realize. He gave up the perfection of heaven, stepped into the imperfection of humanity, so that we then could have a relationship with God through Him. Every one of us needed this rescue mission from Jesus. And God loved us so much that He did it all for us. Rich in mercy, compassionate, patient. When we could do nothing, our relationship with God was separated because of sin. It was fractured and broken. And God said, but I love you enough. I love you so much that I'm going to do something because I want relationship with you. I created you in my image. I want relationship with you. I want you to be with me forever. So God said, I'm not going to just say I love you. I'm going to show it. I'm going to give my one and only son to die on the cross for every member of humanity that will believe in Jesus, they will be saved. Maybe tonight you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you have a lot of doubts, a lot of fears, a lot of question marks, a lot of reasons why. Maybe maybe you're not sure you're willing to jump in the deep end of, of being in all of this yet. Okay. Maybe you once had a relationship with God. You can look back and remember when when God mattered in your life. And you recognize today you're you're not really paying that much attention to God anymore. 
You're not where you once were. Maybe you hear this idea of relationship with God and you're not even sure you fully understand it. Christmas is so much more than lights and trees, presents, gatherings, food. So much more than just Christmas songs and Christmas specials on TV. Christmas is about the reality of God's love and how He reached into humanity so that He could bring humanity to Himself. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only Son, that whosoever, anyone who would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you that whether this is your first time or whether this is coming back to a place with God you know you once were, that you would pray where you are And be honest with God. He already knows what you're thinking, what you're feeling. He knows the fears, the doubts, the question marks. He knows where you really are in all of this. So be honest with Him. And from your heart, invite Him to show Himself. Invite Him into your life in a way that maybe you've never experienced Him before. Father, I just pray right now. If there's anyone in this room or anyone that's a part of this moment that doesn't know the wonderful, wonderful relationship of walking with you, Lord. That, Lord, maybe they've never made a decision to follow you and to be with you, Lord, or maybe maybe they once walked real close with you, but, Lord, tonight they're recognizing that's not the case anymore. They're not really paying you a lot of attention. I pray simply tonight that that by the drawing work of the Holy Spirit, that that pulling people to yourself, Lord, that people would recognize just how real you are and, and how much you want relationship with them. And tonight they would just invite you, Lord, to reveal yourself continually in their lives. God, I just pray for some that they would just take a first step, a first step. A first step that maybe for some is as simple as, God, if you're real, I want to know it. I just believe right now, Lord, you're able to continue to reveal yourself, that people may know you, that people may walk with you, that people may experience this abundant life you said you came to bring. For people, Lord, who aren't as close with you as they have been before, I just pray, O Lord, that they be reminded, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter how far from home they've ran, Lord, you are excited to welcome them back. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Challenged you tonight, and I challenge you throughout this celebration to take the time to pause 
to reflect on all that God has done, to cherish in your heart, to consider all that God has done in your life. I also challenge you to do what the shepherds did, that as you understand relationship with the Lord and how good He's been in your life, that you would grasp how much other people need to experience Jesus and you would share Jesus with others. The truth of Jesus needs to be known. Everyone needs Jesus. He's coming again. So I want to challenge you during this celebration to share Jesus. Take a moment to pause and reflect like this and share Jesus with your family members, your friends, your neighbors, maybe even through the means of social media posts. Share Jesus with others. Consider as we move from this moment throughout all of our festivities, how you will go about doing that, how you will go about pausing and reflecting and sharing Jesus with others in the next few days. I want to pray for you. And if you have questions about Jesus or how to have a relationship with God, let us know. We'd love to talk with you. Father, I thank you for this moment of pause and reflection. I thank you, O oh Lord, that so many today have taken opportunity in the midst of all the festivities to focus on you. May that be said of us, Lord, in all that we do, in everyday life, in the hustle and bustle of this season or any season, that, Lord, we'll be a people who are intentional to pause and to reflect, to recognize you in the moment, to recognize all that you've done in our lives, and to recognize all of the promises in Jesus that are yes and amen, everything you will still do in our lives. We thank you for that. Now I pray, Father, that you would bless and keep this people, and you would make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor, ever be turned their direction, and grant them your peace. Go with us, keep us safe, well, and whole. Keep everyone safe in any travels. May in our family or friends' circles, may someone even come to know you, Jesus. We thank you for the celebration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.